0: i can bring you in warm or i can bring you in cold this is where the fun begins hello there hello and welcome to jedi knights the official star wars podcast for joy clicks my name is mike connors and as always i have my illustrious co-host my co-pilot through a galaxy far far away christian buckley how are you my man
1: i'm doing well mike thank you for asking how are you doing today
0: wonderful i'm doing really great um we're doing another morning edition of jedi Nights, so it's really like jedi mornings over here um but i think that talking about star wars is definitely a great way to start the day for sure
1: i agree i'm sipping out of a guardians of the galaxy coffee mug right now so space-ish i do have a star wars one i don't know where i put it but next time you take the wrong
0: show. this is this is not excelsior no i'm just kidding i know i know i know uh uh no that's cool though is it like um is is it like any of the characters or just does it just say like guardians on it i can't see it for the listeners out there so
1: it's actually it was an anniversary gift from my lovely girlfriend uh it is a custom mug that you can make on the disney store apparently um it is green it's like a nice washed out green the interior is blue it looks like a diner mug um one side it says guardians of the galaxy in a nice like 80s font and on the back it says, "I fooled around and fell in love, like the
0: song." So, very nice. That's great. Yeah, that's that's an awesome gift. Uh, I take it back. You you picked the right mug for this morning. Yes. For sure. mm-hmm.
1: Are are you uh, um, are, are you sipping on any coffee today? You know, morning talk.
0: <laughs> any? Uh... You know, you know, morning talk in true Massachusetts fashion. You know that I took a drive over to Dunkin' Donuts, uh, which is not called Dunkin' Donuts anymore. But, yeah, definitely hooked it up with, like, a big cold brew. Um, But I have some water here to wash it all down. So I just have beverages on deck right there, Christian.
1: That's very nice. Um, I'm excited to talk about Star Wars today, though. Do you think, you know, in hindsight, morning show, next time we do this, I will research on Wikipedia if there is an equivalent of coffee in Star Wars. If it's, like, bean (sighs) juice or uh, something like that i don't know I, I imagine there is right obi-wan's a coffee guy for sure right
0: oh yeah you know that obi-wan like w- what else is he doing on tatooine i mean like he's got to get through those hot and scor- those scorching mornings somehow with with a nice cup of java juice oh wait is it java juice <laughs> i don't know uh um, maybe but i i have no idea but yeah uh Coffee is definitely a thing in the Star Wars universe. We're going to have to look that up, but that's a, that's a question for another time, Christian. Yes. Um, <laughs> I'm also excited to talk about Star Wars. Um, I wanted to start this podcast off with something that we do every single week. Um, it's one of the f- my favorite parts of Jedi Nights uh, From the Jedi Archives, which is a segment in which Christian and I both pick out an article from the Star Wars online wiki, Wikipedia. We bring it. To jedi knights and we educate one another about uh our respective piece of star wars lore uh whether that's from canon or legends whatever so christian uh since i'm hosting today why don't you go first uh what did you pick today for from the jedi archive
1: sure i picked ulin musters that is o-o-l-i-n-m-u-s-t-e-r-s that is a character from rogue one um interesting musters known as kennel while imprisoned by the galactic empire despite identifying herself to others as male was a blue topian member of the alliance to restore the republic by zero bby musters had been captured by the empire and imprisoned in a labor camp on the planet wobani where she shared a cell with the criminal Jin urso uh musters threatened to kill urso but never got the chance as her cellmate was rescued by rebel soldiers working for the Alliance to restore the Republic.
0: I'm looking at a photo of Ool and Musters, and very familiar. Just the name was not something that rang a bell to me. (laughs) Yes. Um, Very interesting. This is like, this is like right in the beginning of Rogue One, right? This, This person's like sleeping, right? Or am I thinking of something different?
1: Yes. So I believe on the transport truck that, um... Uh, the rebels break jinn out of on that I think mining planet it reminds me of Sullus when I'm watching the movie right like it's black everywhere lots of like steam coming up um but no wobani which uh sounds very familiar as well I, I feel like wobani we've either talked about before or there's a character from wobani but
0: well actually I know for a fact that wobani is an a- what do they call it an anagram like, if you rearrange the letters of Wobani, it's Obi-Wan. So that's that's like where it comes from, I'm pretty you sure.
1: You know what, Gary Witta, you're you're pretty clever,
0: you know? <laughs> <laughs> Is that what it's called, an anagram? I can't remember the name of that, but I, I always I thought that so. was a really cool. Yeah. I always thought that was a really neat little um, piece of piece of trivia. Tom Marvallo um, Riddle.
1: I am Lord of Voldemort. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> exactly. yeah, that's
0: it. That's it. Uh, I, I always thought that was pretty cool, um, but I do think like Wobani is very like Star Wars planet name. Oh, yeah. Like it, it doesn't sound out of place at all. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't sound forced. That's what I'm, trying, that's what no, I'm saying. No, yeah,
1: it's it's very good. And I think Rogue One, you know, this is the Wobani talk now, not Ulan Musters, but Rogue One. I think uh, had a really hard task with trying to make star wars still feel like star wars i think without it being too heavy on relying on things Mm -hmm. and i mean it's a separate conversation they definitely did rely on things but i do think a lot of the new stuff they threw in there uh worked really well like that ship like the the u ship i forget what it's called i love that ship it's so cool
0: is it is it the rebel ship is what you're talking about right like the u wing
1: i think like the thing that cassian has
0: yeah yeah that's what it's called it's called a u-wing yeah it's very cool i don't think that was in any yeah that was like a rogue one exclusive
1: I I, i think it was yeah and then it showed up in squadrons so like it i think it's an iconic ship and i really love it so
0: you know another thing about rogue one not to talk about rogue one a lot but uh you know i think it was one of the only star wars disney movies to have like introductions to the planets like on those like establishing shots do you know what i'm talking about like in the in the bottom in the bottom corner because like i am very much thinking of like that shot of like the transport truck on wobani and it says like wobani on the screen but i can't remember any other star wars movie or piece of medium that like did that consistently but i'm pretty sure rogue one did that all the way through or at least from the beginning
1: i think it did and solo might have as well i feel like corellia got like a little tag maybe but you know marvel does this all the time i we we both saw black widow this past weekend marvel did it
0: a lot so they've always done it the same way though with like the big white letters yes. like in the middle of the screen mm-hmm. very iconic but i i do think like and i've thought of this before i think star wars could benefit from having that like i, I don't mind that like I kind of like knowing where they are Um, like even in the bad batch, like it would have been cool. Like in this most recent episode to like have like a little thing on the bottom of the screen that was like, you know?
1: (laughs) Yeah. So I, I think it's absolutely helpful, you know, because coming from somebody who did this a lot when I was reading light of the Jedi, I had Wikipedia open on my laptop next to me. And if it was saying like, Oh, this alien race, I was like, I'm, I'm sure I know what you look like, but nope Mm so like lots lots of that kind of thing and star wars is just so rich with all that stuff that like it would be helpful for sure
0: yeah absolutely um well that was a really great uh little pick that you got for us thank you what did you pick love it so uh you know staying in theme with what we are going to discuss today i chose the article about the planet ryloth Um, I thought this was, you know, topical, at least, to bring up. So, uh, Ryloth, a planet in the Ryloth system, the Outer Rim Territories, and the homeworld of the Twi'lek species. Its terrain varied, filled with jungles, mesas, valleys, and volcanoes, and had an atmosphere breathable for Twi'leks and humans alike. A forest covered its equator, filled with dangerous predators. Given the varied and dangerous terrain, Twi'leks live in caves underground, where it was safer." interesting stuff i didn't know that the twi'leks came like originally from this planet i thought they were maybe like a species on a bunch of other planets but i was wrong
1: yeah that's interesting because you know i I feel like uh, twi'lek characters pop up all the time in star wars right since return of the jedi right that was the first appearance i think um and ever since then i feel like almost every star wars thing at least adds one new Twilight character to like tertiary stuff at least. Like Ala Sakura didn't get a ton of development in the prequels, but like Clone Wars for sure, and we all knew aila Sakura because of mainly video games, but um like yeah. she's super prevalent, um Hera as well, like even more so. Um now in what we're seeing with the High Republic, we're getting some more, so like yeah, it's it's interesting that it they only come from one planet. That's surprising to me
0: yeah i mean like maybe maybe they they have you know I, i'm not i'm not true twi'lek uh anthropolog i've never done the anthropological study on the twi'lek species but uh, i would imagine that they probably like live on other planets but it is interesting that this is like where they originate from because they do seem like one of the more dominant species in the star wars galaxy uh so yeah i just thought that was interesting and i also think it's interesting that they have not Equatorial forest, like just around the entire equator of the planet, uh, with a bunch of like dangerous predators and stuff like that. Very, very cool. Um, I want to see more of Ryloth, especially the forest.
1: Yeah, dude, Ryloth seems like a cool planet. And just that concept of like, oh, yeah, naturally the equator is the thing that's closest to the sun. So, like, there's more life there. That's really interesting. And, um, i would love to see that explored more like you said i think now hearing that ryloth sounds like a cool location for a video game you know
0: yeah let's go to uh you know fallen order two Cal yeah let's go to ryloth. To ryloth.
1: <laughs> jungle
0: that would be kind of cool mm-hmm. that would be sick actually
1: yeah. <laughs> well good pick well mark. good I'm... stuff in inform uh informational informational pick
0: Informational pick from you, too. Uh, I always feel like I uh, emerge from the Jedi Archive segment with a little bit more knowledge about the Star Wars universe that you and I both love so dearly. Um, anyways, moving on from from learning about our favorite place, our favorite mythical place, uh, to talking about some news about our, about our favorite mythical place. Uh, so interestingly enough, I saw this. I thought this was something we should bring up uh, when talking about uh, the Book of Boba Fett, uh, Tamora Morrison is really out here with the news drops. Um, he's like the best Star Wars reporter out there because he just gives all the scoops. Um, and I'm not sure anybody really asks him for it. <laughs> he just primary does anyway. source. Uh, yeah, like, is, is anyone asking him? He's just doing this on his own. Um, <laughs> but speaking to the Daily Express, I'm not familiar, but... Ah, uh, Morrison said, "John Favreau's come up with some magical formula formulas. We've got some great directors on board, and then he names he name drops Robert Rodriguez, which we already knew, uh, John Favreau, which was sort of implied, Bryce Dallas Howard, which is very cool, um, and Dave Filoni. So those are four confirmed directors for the Book of Boba Fett series. Um, that's really all he said. I just thought it was it was good to to sort of." Keep tabs on where they are with this with this production, and you know the names that are going to be attached with it. I'm especially excited that Bryce Dallas Howard is attached to the project because I think she is a great director and she did a really good job on *The Mandalorian*.
1: I heavily agree. Um, as we talked about when Boba Fett debuted in season two, um, I was really putting a lot of my uh, merit on, like, why I like Boba Fett now. Obviously, seeing Tamar Mm -hmm. Morrison actually step into the role helps a lot, Um, but I do think Robert Rodriguez gave Boba Fett just this striking style to him in just the way he's shot and edited that I don't think a lot of other Star Wars characters really get. Like, I don't think there's any specific character in Star Wars I can think of that has a unique like... Style to them that I'm, just, and I know that's not necessarily true when it comes to like what you're seeing, but I think on a presentation standpoint of like the cuts, the way the camera was moving, the low angles on him, like I not even Darth Vader gets shot like that, you know. So like I really do think Robert Rodriguez brought a lot to the character of Boa Fett. So when he was announced to be, I think producing. I think he's in a producer role in this series as well, uh, with John Favreau and Dave Filoni. Um, that made me very happy. So, seeing the directors that they have in addition to Robert Rodriguez, excellent choices. Because, like you said, Bryce Dallas Howard, I think might be my favorite Mandalorian director. I don't know
0: if you she's could. up there.
1: Yeah, like she's really great i have zero issues with either of the any of the episodes she's done she's done a great job with that show so seeing her step into this next um is exciting for me i'd love to see her be able to tackle a star wars feature film at some point because i think she's really like gets a good perspective on star wars but i want to ask you this mike we we do see a lot of mandalorian crossover here right and indeed we do i'm wondering if those rumors i don't know if there were if you saw a lot of these but there people were speculating that like hey yeah maybe book of boba fett was supposed to be season three of mandalorian and then like dinjarin's book the book of dinjarin was just seasons one and two and people just loved Din so much that they're like oh well we can't really just like fully say goodbye to him right now like, do you think that's it? Or do you think they just have a cool, the cool kids club? They all like making Mandalorian art together. So we're going to keep making more Mandalorian art with another character.
0: Um, I think that's a really hard question to answer, to be honest. Because the way that the Mandalorian season two ended, like it could all end right there. Like, do we necessarily need to see any more of Din Djarin? Like, I don't think so. I think, like, the way that that season ended sort of made a really interesting end cap to his story. Do I think that the Book of Boba Fett is going to be, like, a substitute for Mandalorian Season 3? I don't think so. I just think... I I saw a term online the other day, which kind of, like, struck me. Um, Somebody called, like, the Star Wars Disney Plus TV shows the (laughs) Mandoverse, which I think may have some credence in the fact that, like, I think it's possible that we do see Dinjar maybe, like, pop up in other, um, you know, other, other TV shows like The Book of Boba Fett or, like, Ahsoka or something like that. But do I think that necessarily that means that there's not going to be a Mandalorian in season three? I don't think that would make financial sense for Disney, to be honest. Like, mm-hmm. it was just too much of a popular, like, property that it would be sort of silly for them to not continue that story of grogu and dinjarin but i don't necessarily think that they need to i would be fine if they never like went back to uh like the mandalorian just because like i do like how it ended i think it was like a very short and contained sort of thing but as much as i think that they're you know as much as i think that like the book of boba fett is like disney taking a different direction with all of their tv shows i i don't think that it's, like, a substitute for The Mandalorian. Is that what you are asking, kind of?
1: Kind of, but also, like, do you just... Do you think that the, that was initially the plan, and then they just saw Mandalorian, like, Season 2 become even more popular, and they're like, well, we can't abandon this, like you are saying?
0: I mean, I do think that there was, like, an element of, like... Like, there did seem like there was some sort of, like, finality to yeah. The Mandalorian Season 2. I know, I know that there was, like, some lose ends sort of still still out there like you know with the dark saber and all that kind of stuff but like it did sort of seem like the main story of like grogu and din sort of like ended at least for now you know yeah. so i don't know if it was what they were thinking about doing like previously like just completely stopping but then they saw like you know the amount of um you know hype that mandalorian got i i don't know but yeah i, I-, I- what are your thoughts on it christian i'm kind of curious
1: I mean i think i could easily see a world where this was the plan because like the mandalorian like could continue its story through boba fett right because technically it is still about a mandalorian and we all know john favreau's original pitch was a boba fett film right so like yeah that led to the mandalorian so i i think you leave off on a note with mandalorian season two where you can walk away from having din in the spotlight because din i don't think is maybe as interesting without grogu like i think there's potential with that character but you run the risk of him just becoming not boba fett boba fett you know i think that uh that's yeah a a very thin line you have to toe if you tell a story with him by himself and the benefit of what they're talking about with like ahsoka and rangers and book of boba fett and mandalorian is similar to how the mcu works where iron man stopped getting movies in 2013 but yep iron man his story went on until 2019 so like i think we could see a world or maybe the plan was for Din Djarin to operate in, like, a Tony Stark sort of role in this Mandoverse verse moving forward. But because Mandalorian Season 2 is such a big moment, they're like, well, we can't just abandon this. So, like, maybe we do actually make a Mando Season 3 and we'll figure out what we have to do when we come to it. And we still will do Book of Boba Fett and all these other shows, but why not do his third season?
0: Yeah, I, I almost, like, hope that they don't. Like, I hope that they don't make another Mandalorian season three. Like, I think what you're saying with, like, Din Djar and Mandalorian sort of, like, popping up in, like, you know, other TV shows and, like, maybe even, like, a future movie or something. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Like, makes a lot more sense than, like, his story continuing. Because, like you said, I think you you totally hit the nail right on the head. Like, you you run the risk of creating a character that's just, like, a not-as-cool Boba Fett. And, like, Without with, like without Grogu, at least. And so I mean, I I, I don't know, I can see them go either way with it. Personally, I think it would be more interesting if they just like did not make a Mandalorian season three and just sort of kept telling Din Djarin's story, like you said, through these other installments and these other shows. Yeah, that's kind of like what I would prefer. I, I just don't think like I really don't think like Din Djarin is is that compelling of a character like without Grogu. Um, i think he can so i I guess it all depends on where they want to go yeah Yeah.
1: i think he can be it's just a very difficult thing to do you know and if like i think exploring dinjarin's character experiencing like empty nest syndrome for a season of television would be fascinating but i don't know how deep they'd go into that right like i don't know i'd love
0: that but I mean, it just like makes me makes me wonder, like when we've we've heard so like we uh, not so much, but we've heard more about a book of Boba Fett and ranges the New Republic and Ahsoka and the acolyte, right? Like we haven't heard anything about a Mandalorian season three. Yeah, like, like they said that they were gonna like do something by the end of this year, but like I don't think that that's happening. Like it's almost August. Like I just I don't know, like maybe maybe there's under maybe they're reworking it but like it's strange that we haven't heard anything i
1: i do want to check one thing real quick but do you have any other things to say about um book of boba fett in the meantime like is there is there other directors you hope to see do you think that i think they said it was a limited series so do you think there's more directors or is this just it for the four potentially five episodes we get
0: I would say that it's probably that's probably a good amount of directors for the amount of episodes that we're expecting like i would imagine robert rodriguez probably you know directs like maybe two right like he's like a producer um and he sort of like directed boba fett's return in the mandalorian season two to great fanfare um he sort of like you said earlier brings a different vibe to the character sort of like in a way you know he vis- his his directing sort of like brings a new dimension to Boba Fett that like we've never really seen before. And um yeah, I mean I I think this is probably it. Like I, I would say you probably expect to see like two from Robert Rodriguez and then like maybe one from each of the other ones. Um because I know I, I'm pretty sure this is not supposed to be like an eight episode thing. I think it's supposed to be more yeah. limited than that. So um, yeah. I mean I just what
1: i was gonna say i think it operates under the way like um falcon is probably going to or the way obi-wan will where it's like six episodes you know maybe i don't know how long they're gonna be i would like to see star wars live action approach closer to like the hour mark the way loki has um personally i, I do like how mandalorian has some like 20 minute episodes but i do think if we're doing less episodes i would like more time for each one for sure
0: yeah and i think that's probably what we'll get if not for the book of boba fett definitely for obi-wan yeah. um i just don't see a world when which like at, at least obi-wan's not like a, an hour at an episode each or something but um i'm just really excited for this i i really am just i would love to be a fly on the wall in like lucasfilm headquarters the skywalker ranch or whatever mm-hmm. and just like understand like what is going on with mandalorian because it looks like the promise that they made they're not going to be able to keep um in terms of releasing something by the by christmas so yeah we'll so see.
1: i don't want to derail but while we're talking about boba fett i did see this rumor the other day and i'd like to just bring it up real quick <laughs> yeah um, totally so there was a leak about a boba fett graphic novel um through like a publisher and there's a a blurb about uh key selling points for like a a marketing thing of like what to list for the graphic novel listing um and it says the book of boba fett premieres on disney plus december 2021 season three of the mandalorian premieres on disney plus spring 2022 uh features photos and dialogue from the hit series graphic novels are a major growth category so again like their film pedro pascal is shooting the last of us right now they've been shooting for a couple of weeks so like i i mean i know we do, he doesn't have to be on set and he wasn't for season one a lot like i just i don't know dude it, it it's a weird question of like what's going on and i just read in the replies to that uh tweet which was a, uh, a link to a star wars leaks subreddit post, but apparently ming na wen thought she was shooting season three of mandalorian for the first two weeks of shooting book of Fett. so maybe they did shoot some stuff around then too but like it's weird
0: I i was gonna ask you after listening to that like do you think there's any possibility that disney purposefully like covered up the shooting of like mandalorian season three by being like oh we're shooting the book of boba fett you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. what if they were just doing both like at the same time they could have been do you think that that's even like a react like they could have been right like it's mostly the same characters same people who are involved like i don't know how long exactly they were filming the book of boba fett for but it did seem like a a while um i don't know like it's very possible that they could have like all this time been just like secretly just like also filming season three of mandalorian and just not told anybody um, and maybe i don't know this is like this is really really out there mm-hmm. but like it i'm just saying it could be a possibility and it could be a fact that, you know part of the reason though i don't know it could be that like the mandalorian season three and the book of boba fett really tie into one another and so it would have made sense for them to film it at the same time or near the same time yeah i don't know uh that's just that's just me heavily speculating um, awesome. doesn't seem likely but it's possible
1: i'll throw one more thing on that speculation you're doing <laughs> right now it would make sense maybe if they were doing at least some sort of shooting for mando season three when book above it was ongoing where pedro pascal was still free because they could have shot because they don't have, they don't shoot television or movies in order they could have shot all of his helmetless scenes back then and then when the rest of shooting for man of season three starts in like i think the rumor is september uh he doesn't need to be on set because it's just going to be brendan wayne like in the the outfit on set right like that's completely possible so weird though that nothing that's what i
0: mean like this right there's so much there's so much um there's so much versatility in the fact that like Pedro Pascal, like, yeah, they could have just done, like you said, all of his maskless, helmetless scenes. And then, like, I don't know, I'm sure, like, while he's doing The Last of Us, like, he could pop into, like, a freaking, like, audio booth and do some voiceover. You yeah. know, like, he I don't know. talk like, much. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how. Yeah, he doesn't, he, but he doesn't really. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm sure it doesn't take that long for him to, like, you know, voice record, like, all the lines and everything. Like, he doesn't have that many lines. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, yeah, I mean, it's... Like, do you think that there's any possibility that that's... Do you think that's possible, like, at all? Or do you think I'm just kind of really speculating here?
1: What, him doing audio recordings? Uh...
0: No, I mean, I mean, the like, them filming season three at the same time of Book of Boba Fett, secretly.
1: I would say in terms of just like a production thing in terms of like scheduling that and actually making that happen i would say that there's a good chance that that they could actually get that done um in terms of me believing if that's what they did i'm at like a 45 percent right now i think
0: all right well that's not a zero percent it's not so
1: interesting updates
0: well Interesting updates. We spent a lot of time on that, but very cool to talk about Book of Boba Fett and the potential Mandalorian season three. So moving on uh, to some more Star Wars uh, visual media, uh, this time on the silver screen, uh, Patty Jenkins, I don't know if we talked about this. I don't think we did. Patty Jenkins uh, said that she's been working on uh, the movie that she's expected to direct, Rogue Squadron, for a while now. Um, she spoke recently with a Hollywood reporter Uh, she said that she'd been on it already for six months before, uh, the movie was even announced. So I think that was like back in December, 2020, um, where they announced rogue squadron. Yes. Um, so she said that quote, we're pretty, pretty deep into it. We're finishing a script crewing up and it's all going wonderful. Um, so that's really interesting. They're they're making some big headway on Rogue Squadron. It seems like they're almost done with the pre production in terms of like writing the script and all that kind of stuff. So, um, the script is being written by Matthew Robinson, um, who also wrote The Invention of Lying, Edge of to Tomorrow, Love and Monsters. I'm not that familiar with him. I think we may have talked about him. Yeah. Um, but it is interesting to hear some some stuff come from Patty Jenkins about Rogue Squadron. Um I'm excited for this. Uh she seems like a really good choice and it's cool to see that they're uh they got some something on paper.
1: Yeah, I I'm really looking forward to this movie. Um I, I just want to have a good time. I want to go to an IMAX or a Cinemark XD with a big bucket of popcorn and just watch X-Wings blow things up for 2 hours. <laughs> so
0: Definitely. <laughs> who who wouldn't want that? This, honestly. This is uh
1: um, speculated to be or no, this is the next film and right now we have a twenty twenty three date for this, right?
0: Yeah, I think it's a December twenty twenty three date. It's the next film. Um so yeah, uh I I mean it would make sense that they're you know finished with the script and everything. Getting things together, I imagine that they'll probably start filming this like probably twenty twenty two, maybe spring twenty twenty two. Then work on it for the rest of twenty twenty three and post, market that crap, throw it out there. It's a um, big box office hit.
1: Honestly, I could even see them kick up this year if they're if they've been working on the script and pre production stuff for this long. Like I could maybe see maybe October or November them kick up uh maybe we get casting news like do you think i didn't even think about that that much like who are you expecting to be like the leads of this x-wing movie i I have
0: no idea like (laughs) it really could be anybody right um star wars star wars has a tendency to or at least George Lucas back in the day and even Disney for the sequel trilogy, um, has a tendency of hiring actors that are like not that well-known. Um, like John Boyega wasn't that very well-known before seven. Neither was Daisy Ridley. Uh, Oscar Isaac had a lot of, he had a lot of good movies before them, but like, I don't know. It's just, I, I, I couldn't even guess cause yeah. it, it's probably somebody that we've never even heard of before. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I would expect I would expect to hear something from it soon. Um, especially since that they said that they're finished with the script. They must have actors in mind. Um, you know, they said that they're crewing up, so um, you know, I I would assume that maybe actors are part of that.
1: <laughs> you would hope, right? Like <laughs> I imagine I, I think we'll probably get casting this year. I, I think that's a safe bet you
0: mean this year Yeah, we'll, we'll get some news
1: we'll hear about the cast this year i think
0: yeah i would say so definitely before december we're going to be hearing some stuff about that for sure but i'm excited never no um regardless you know i think this is going to be a good movie um having recently just been back to the movies to see black widow i am excited to go and see a star wars movie up there oh um, yeah after covid and everything so mm-hmm. can't wait uh Christian, I I do notice a bit of a delay. I don't know if you are.
1: Sure, yeah. So uh, audience, you'll hear a quick pause for a second, but we will be back. Uh, Just say your favorite
0: Star Wars quote right now. Here you go. Hello. yes sorry we back we back uh sorry about that um moving on from the news about rogue squadron uh this is something interesting uh we were talking about star wars visions the upcoming disney plus tv show uh last episode but i guess they're doing tie-in novels for this tv show um and one of them is called star wars ronin uh they announced uh they released the cover for this um it's out october 12th it's a tie-in novel uh expands upon the upcoming visions short the duel um and so basically it gives like a little bit of a synopsis uh talks about one former sith who's wandering on the far edge of the outer rim accompanied by only a faithful droid and the ghost of a less civilized age carries a lightsaber of claims lineage to no Jedi clan, and pledges allegiance to no lord. Little is known about him, including his name, for he never speaks of his past nor his regrets. His history is as guarded as the red blade of destruction he carries sheathed at his side. Um, as the galaxy's perpetual cycle of violence continues to interrupt his self-imposed exile, he is forced to duel an enigma- enigmatic bandit claiming the title of Sith, it becomes clear that no amount of wandering will ever let him outpace the specters of his former life. Very cool. That sounds sick, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love the idea of like this like exiled like samurai esque like Sith Lord that's just like doing his own thing. I love that
1: i wonder when this takes place because i feel like it'd be very cool if it was old republic time and then this is just a sith warrior who was not about the rule too and then just
0: left that would be interesting yeah um yeah it says it says uh you know it says it says the sith rebellion the sith rebellion failed um jedi clans clashed in service to feuding lords um I don't know. It just seems interesting. I don't, it makes me wonder, like, do you think Star Wars visions is going to be like canon at all? Cause like, I don't know when this is supposed to take place. I don't think it's like, the. it, it, it doesn't give any like details that point one way or another. It um, yeah. makes me wonder if this is just like not a time actually in the Star Wars canon that, you know, these studios are just kind of making up whatever they want, which is fine. I mean, it sounds like a great story, but like, I don't know
1: yeah I mean the pitch was any story they want into the ten thousand year timeline of Star Wars, right? so ten thousand years is a long ass time where you can do you can do something wild and it would not affect the Skywalker saga at all, you know, like I see no reason why this visions initiative can't be canon um like ten thousand years dude is a long like in the grand scheme of things it's not long but like in the the sake of this story that most of its canon is across like a 30-year time span i think i think you can do it with something really weird and wild uh, and allow it to make sense in this universe as long as somebody is taking out redundancies or like oh well we can't if you're doing this story about these jedi and the sith you can't use hyperspace because it wasn't discovered until the higher public like that you can make that work fine you really can so i don't know i i think i would hope visions is canon um but i don't know what do you think
0: i hope it is too um if if not canon or you know rather if it's not canon i would like it to be sort of just like one of those things that it's just like oh this is like a myth told in the star wars universe so like maybe it is canon maybe it's not canon it's a story that you know no one really knows the true uh you know like the, the truth behind it or anything like that. So that that could be a, a possibility. I, I do hope, though, that it's canon, like it's considered canon. Uh, we just don't know yet. Um, I mean, even the synopsis doesn't really give that much of a time reference to, like, when this is taking place. Though it does say two decades ago. We have no idea, like, two decades ago from what. Um, but it does seem like, you know, w- w- when the synopsis is talking about how a Sith rebellion failed, uh, Coming to infighting and betrayal and that does sound like the fall of the sith as we traditionally know it and the upcoming of the rule of two right so maybe you're right maybe this this ronin uh this like you know star wars sith lord former sith lord wandering around the galaxy you know just like you said doesn't want to be part of the rule of two i think you know it could be it could be many different things um but i'm excited nonetheless just to see what they what they have going on here
1: me too it's gonna be a cool september did you see the
0: did you see the cover for this it definitely does look very cool yeah Um,
1: i did it looks very nice uh samurai inspired really cool art big fan
0: big big fan Mm -hmm. um so i i did pick out some fun quick hit news that i think we should just quickly go over um I think we missed this last week, but I thought this was really interesting. Um, the National Air and Space Museum in Washington, D.C. Christian, have you ever been there?
1: I haven't, no.
0: Really? Okay. Very cool. Um, has a lot of, like, cool artifacts from, like, the history of flight and space travel and all that kind of stuff in America. Um, but they're going to display Poe Dameron's X-Wing from The Rise of Skywalker sometime in 2022. Um, so that's really cool. Uh I guess they announced this on May 4th, and it kind of flew under the radar, no pun intended, um, but it's being restored right now at the museum's uh, Stephen F. Udvar Hazy Center. Uh, and I guess like that work is actually open and visible to the public, so you could go and like watch them work on the X-Wing. That's cool. Um, very cool. And the reasoning that the museum gave for displaying Poe Dameron's X-Wing um, is is such. They said, quote, Despite taking place a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, Star Wars introduced generations of fans here on Earth to outer space as a setting for adventure and exploration. All air and space milestones begin with inspiration and science fiction so often provides that spark. The iconic X-wing displayed amid our other spacecraft celebrates the journey from imagination to achievement, which I think is really sweet. Um, And I love how, you know, the the National Air and Space Museum is given some credence and some respect that Star Wars definitely deserves.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh two things I wanna say real quick. Um yeah. back <laughs> rewinding to that Slave One conversation, uh Poe Dameron's <laughs> X-Wing is the 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 highlight of this exhibit, so I thought that was funny. But um No, <laughs> no you're absolutely right. Right, like Star Wars is always really cool i think star trek is the more science-based sci-fi thing but star wars does have some interesting uh discussions uh specials short films that have gone into the way science works and what, how science was able to inspire star wars um and in terms of museums i remember when i was younger uh, this was probably like late 2000s maybe mid to late 2000s are you going to say the Boston Science Museum? Yes. The Children's
0: Science Museum? Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I know exactly what I mean, you're talking the about. The Museum
1: of Science in Boston had a Star Wars exhibit yeah. where they had a bunch of props from some of the films. I feel like there was a big, heavy emphasis on the prequels there. I definitely remember seeing Anakin's robes and like R2 and the lightsaber hilts. Uh, yes.
0: I have a very specific memory of going down the escalator in the Science Museum in Boston when I was a kid with my mom and my sister and there was a big Naboo starfighter that was hanging yeah. in, like, the atrium. Mm-hmm. Do you remember this? I do,
1: I do. And uh, they, they had, like, a Millennium Falcon experience you could go on, um, which I did. I got a little pin out of it. It says, like, I made the jump to hyperspace on it. <laughs> like, I
0: Yeah, that's sick.
1: Yeah, Star Wars exhibits are really cool. And I'm, you know, not planning a trip to Washington anytime soon, but it is nice to see that um, – the celebration of it you know because it is pop culture and i i think this museums in washington have um a pop culture museum as well but it's cool that this is getting into the air and space museum it's fun
0: totally I, and i mean like you have to respect like uh, obviously star wars has been such a cultural phenomenon but like in a way like i think that they the national air and space museum makes a really good point like you know star wars is fiction um it's science fiction but I'm, it, it has inspired a lot of us to do different things that maybe we wouldn't have and I'm sure that there are a lot of scientists and a lot of you know NASA people working at NASA and, and what have you that you know were first inspired by like science fiction maybe Star Wars so a lot of the innovations that we've been able to make in space and flight and science in general I think we can Trace a lot of it back to like you know science fiction and Star Wars and Star Trek and all that kind of stuff, giving us like that inspiration. I think it's it's really well deserved. Um, now as yeah, as much as it is like a cultural phenomenon, it is also um, you know something that impacts our daily world on a real real life basis. So I really appreciate this. I think it's very cool. Well said. Uh, so moving on, another fun quick hit. Dave Filoni is an action figure now. The man himself, he finally is immortalized in a Hasbro Black Series action figure.
1: Does he have the hat? Uh, So,
0: yes, the figure is technically not of Filoni himself, but it's of his likeness. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's for the character Trapper Wolf, who is the X-Wing pilot uh, who made the appearance in The Mandalorian Seasons 1 and Season 2. Um, so it's going to be, I think, 30 bucks. It's like an exclusive. Um, I think you have to like order it through Hasbro or something like that. But it looks pretty cool. Uh, I think he definitely deserves uh, an action figure of himself. He's a hero when it comes to Star Wars. Um, and it's just I, I just thought this was a really cool, neat little thing. And I thought we should bring it up.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, like, Favreau got his Mandalorian in a black series form, like the heavy with the jetpack right from season one
0: oh true that's right yeah but it wasn't like his of his face though wasn't it right i don't know Mm
1: -hmm. i mean favreau seems like well maybe not because he puts himself in all of his movies like he's in iron man he's in elf he's in chef like i don't know if he's in jungle book or lion king but like uh putting himself in mandalorian and star wars i think is interesting because so far he hasn't put his face in I was gonna be like, maybe he just doesn't want the spotlight, but he absolutely does because he puts himself in all of his other projects. But, um, he's 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 doing it for the RP, right? He's getting into it. He's like, oh no, I can't take my mask off. I'm part of this cult.
0: Exactly. Well, I mean, you know, he's part of that sect, so he can't take the mask off. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, listen, if you were John Favreau, wouldn't you want a, oh, a damn action figure of yourself? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, come on. Um. Yeah, but like this, this. Uh, action figure of Trapper Wolf, like actually looks pretty cool. Like the packaging looks really neat, um, and it's only for thirty bucks. So, like that's pretty cool. Um, that's pretty decent price for like an exclusive Dave Filoni action figure, essentially. Um, <laughs> um, also, also something that Hasbro announced. Uh, they announced part of the fiftieth anniversary celebration of Lucasfilm, officially called Star Wars: The Black Series, The Power of the Force, Cantina Showdown Playset. Um, so this set features characters Obi-Wan Kenobi as Ben Kenobi in uh, the most Eisley Cantina regulars Dr. Evazon and Ponda Baba um, who accost Luke in A New Hope. Um, and yeah, it's very cool. It comes with the Cantina bar, uh, three additional accessories so you can basically recreate that scene in uh, A New Hope with action figures. Um, I don't know if you saw pictures of those, but it looks pretty cool. It looks like something that I would love to have you know when i was six years old so mm-hmm. i can recreate ben kenobi cutting off Ponda baba's arm
1: yes so. it does look nice my only <laughs> question is is the arm removable like is that an option that's
0: on, on Ponda baba i, I hope so yeah. i mean i don't want i don't want it if, if if you can't get his arm off
1: yeah i mean like somebody out there uh i follow some interesting uh black series instagram accounts and they do really nice like uh really high quality pictures and like they set up scenes with the black series figures that sometimes recreate shots um they if that arm doesn't come off they will make sure that arm comes off for those pictures i'm sure
0: yeah those guys are really talented yeah let, um, me, let me find you the account cool.
1: while, while you're um moving on i'll, I'll find the account to sh- give them a quick shout out
0: yeah those um I, I do follow some of those accounts myself actually and the art the artistry that goes behind it is pretty cool sometimes some of the accounts that i follow they also like post the the behind the scenes photos of like how they set up the action figures to get the shot um and it's really cool um the black series figures do have a lot of detail and uh, you know with that micro photography and all that kind of stuff it makes it seem very realistic um yeah it makes me wonder though christian quick question Mm -hmm. uh do you think we're ever going to see like a george lucas black series like when are we going to get that i want that
1: when we reach the end of star wars and it's revealed that the wills and the maker who the maker is it is george lucas of course like 3po when he says thank the maker he is talking about georgie boy so that when we get an action figure of the maker it will be george lucas um
0: (laughs) yeah it's not gonna say george lucas it's just gonna say the maker yes uh i did
1: find the accounts star wars toy picks with an x instead of a cs uh that is one and then star Mm. wars the black series all one word on instagram great accounts
0: yeah go follow very cool stuff well i think we should move on to the final segment of our episode here christian um we're talking about the bad batch episode number 11 today devil's deal that's the name of the episode um, so this is one that takes place on Ryloth, um, as as I mentioned earlier um, when I brought up Ryloth for our Jedi Archives segment, and um, it it doesn't really have the bad batch in it that much, to be honest. Um, it it mostly focuses on the Twileks of Ryloth and the interesting like political. Um, Avenues that many of them are taking. Um, the Empire is on Ryloth, trying to basically occupy it. And there are a lot of conflicting Rylothians, Twi'leks who live there, who uh, some of them want to join the Empire. Others, like Cham Sindula, are a little bit more skeptical towards the end. Um, so, Christian, what do you think about this episode? General thoughts?
1: It was very interesting. Um, i do like the framing of these kinds of episodes in the season of like hey let's do a check-in on this part of the galaxy how they're dealing with this thing but i think this episode is sort of another example of the way i've felt about previous episodes where like it's very interesting but i feel like it's at the cost of developing our main cast in an interesting way which I'm a, like that is fine you know I think we all prepared for what this show was a couple weeks in um that being said I did really think it was interesting seeing uh the Syndulas and their perspective on things and checking in on Ryloth again because I think the last time we saw Ryloth was in the Clone Wars but I think that's sort of indicative of a lot of the highlights of the season of the bad batch so far of like oh yeah it's cool to check in on this character we know it's not it's not like oh wow yeah i'm really loving this development of like wrecker and Tex friendship (laughs) it's like it's not that's not at the forefront that's not a problem but that's just not the direction the show's focusing on for this season and i think I wanted that to be the direction of the show, but, like, I still think that we're getting really interesting, really worthwhile stories out of this season, and this is an example of that. It's just at the cost of your main leads, I think.
0: Yeah, I think that that's a fair assessment. Like, this is... This this season of The Bad Batch seems to be... Yes, it's a story about, like, The Bad Batch and Omega and what's happening with the Kaminoans and the Empire, but... More so than that, I think it is a vehicle for, like, exposition of this new time in the Star Wars universe. Like, we've talked about this a lot. Like, we've never really seen the immediate aftermath of Order 66, um, the dissolution of the Republic, and the formation of the Galactic Empire. And this is something that I'm interested in. But like you said, it does take away a little bit from the Bad Batch and their character development like thinking about it I, I don't really know where their story is even headed, right like yeah. the last time that we like i think we basically ended their last arc with you know omega being rescued um but then like that was it i'm pretty sure you know so far this this had the bad batch in it for like a good like four minutes um there was some characterization of omega um a little bit more to her as she talks to harrison doula which is obviously a character from rebels um a young harrison doula uh so yeah i mean i like it because i'm interested in this time period personally but it is a little disappointing to see that like they're they don't seem to really be doing that big of Stretching things with the Bad Batch themselves, which is fine, but like not what I expected. Um, Crosshairs in this episode, so we can reset the crosshair watch clock back down to zero. But like, there wasn't much to him. He kind of just like wasn't arm of the Empire at this point, and there wasn't really there wasn't any sort of crossover with the Bad Batch. So I don't know. Uh, it, It sort of, and it also seemed like at the end of the episode that they're going to revisit this. Uh, the, situ- the situation on Ryloth sometime soon. So, yeah, I'm not really sure where they're going with the end of this, with that, with the tail end of this season here. But it's kind of confusing. It's sort of all over the place. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. I had a fun time watching this episode. So
1: no, me too. Me too. Absolutely. Because like I really like Hera and seeing her again and seeing more of her origins, um, was was cool and exciting and seeing her have an impression on Omega again curious where we go with omega i do think it's not a coincidence that this show is happening early 2021 and establishing omega as the opposite to boba fett's alpha and alpha is going to be getting his own show this year with Fenix shan so like i think we i think the purpose of the bad batch right now it, i feel differently every week right about what the purpose of the show is <laughs> Yeah. Right now, I think it's a lot of what we've been talking about already today of exploring this time period. But I also think it is setting up Omega. So when she shows up in the book of Boba Fett to reunite with Fennec and meet Boba, it's not going to be like a, oh, where the hell is this person coming from? Boba Fett's had a sister all this time. Like, (laughs) I think this is that's like a pretty major part of the show. So like i i think we will see more of omega this year after this show ends its first season and i think after we get book of boba fett it's gonna be hopefully a season two of um bad batch is much more about omega taking the steps to become the person we see in book of boba fett that's the only thing i can think of at the moment you know very similar probably to i guess the format of rebels to set up ezra um
0: yeah maybe that's where we're going Interesting that like basically what you're saying is you think at this point the Bad Batch is more just like exposition to like Omega and that's really it <laughs> like uh like it she does seem like she's the main character of this. Is that what you're saying basically? Like as as of right now it just seems like the focus of the Bad Batch is to just like build Omega's character kind. for a future yeah. potential potential live action debut
1: yes mainly because i think early episodes of the season was very heavily focused on the bad batch which we all think are cool um just being cool and omega admiring them and then the mid season was a lot of like teaching her things uh and you know shaping who she will probably become one day and i feel like that's the main thread these past few weeks, ever since there was the Cad Bane episode, right, where it was mainly Omega, her surviving, uh, using the skills that the Bad Batch had taught her recently, relying on Fennec as a bit of an assistance. Um And then, you know, the past couple, we did get that episode about Echo, like, really struggling, which was interesting. But Omega had a presence there for her character growth and here specifically I think as well it's it's interesting i i honestly at the end of the season i think i'm going to look at it very similar to the way i look at rebels season one where it was doing the week-to-week thing that mandalorian also does but in service of a character who will probably be really important one day but i feel like other aspects just kind of happen and it's not bad I'm not saying it's bad at all. I I do enjoy watching it every week. And it's fun and cool. And it's always a nice little takeaway. At least one thing about the universe. But,
0: yeah. So, I guess, what do you think are the chances that we're going to see, like, a live-action Omega in The Book of Boba Fett? And if we don't see her in The Book of Boba Fett, do you think we're going to see her at all? Like, do you think that would be the point where a live-action Omega would have to come in?
1: I think... It would be very... Little. I think it's very likely. I... I Interesting. I'd i say I'm thinking like 85% chance she shows up in Book of Boba Fett. Because... Like, maybe that's when she meets him and that's how we frame the Book of Boba Fett. Like, his story. Like, he tells her about everything just so he can like catch her up. I, I don't know. Like... I just i just think it would be too big of a coincidence if you introduce boba fett's sister the year boba fett get to show yeah. to flesh him out you know how do you how do you characterize and humanize boba fett more oh you give him family drama right like that's that's it that's how you do that right
0: that's true 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 uh i didn't even consider that yeah i mean like you have to think that the Book of Boba Fett's basically going to mostly be Boba Fett, like, kicking ass. But, like, there's got to be something there that, like, makes him a bit more, of you know, depth of a character. And, yeah, it would make sense that it, was Ome- it would be Omega. Yeah, uh, You're on to something, Christian.
1: Yeah, plus, like, Fennec being his right hand and also having such a tie to her in this show. Like, too many coincidences, Mike, and I... Some, I'm sure there's some quote about oh we want to talk about coincidence is not being real. Like there, it's all there's always a meaning. <laughs> like I think I think there's something
0: here. Yeah, there's no such thing as luck, right? Yeah. Only the force. Yeah. Um so yeah, I mean I, I you know I was kind of like not really that interested with Omega's character like at in the beginning, I kind of thought she was a bit annoying. I think most people did. Um but Over time, I think she's become like a really interesting character, really deep. Um, and I would love to see like a live action rendition of her, especially you know, I think she would be a very good vehicle for Boba Fett to sort of you know have a deeper character than what he is, you know. Um, like you said, give him some family drama, I think you're right with that. Um,
1: because that's what Star Wars is always when it comes to this
0: it's true it's true i i think I think, yeah you make a lot of sense christian i didn't even consider that but like it would almost be like a missed opportunity if they didn't take that and, and bring omega into that show
1: yeah because like not not to be leaning into this but like look at all the star wars shows we've had since clone wars it's always about some guy having a found family right like mm-hmm. that's what kind of what clone wars is about like anakin being an older brother for ahsoka uh rebels kanan being the father of that family um mandalorian dinjar and becoming a character because he finds a baby um the bad batch having to be father's brothers for omega boba fett is that going to buck the trend, man? I don't know. I would say no based on the odds. <laughs> like,
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, just uh, going back to even the original trilogy, always family drama. Yeah, so, exactly. I think you're probably right, Christian. I, and, and you sort of opened up my mind to that, that possibility, which which now I'm almost thinking it, it, it would be kind of sad if it didn't happen. I'm really hoping that it does. Um, yeah. Just wouldn't make too much sense. But uh, talking about this episode in particular, um, it was pretty straightforward, Uh, you know, getting into just tiny spoilers here. Hera is, you know, a a young Hera um, is sort of like working for her uncle, seemingly, right? Her uncle or something, Uh, spying against the Empire. Her dad, and Dula, is, you know, trying to tread water carefully. Uh, She gets into trouble and basically implicates her dad and her mom and they get arrested by the Empire, and she um escapes so yeah pretty straightforward star wars stuff right there empire taking over a planet nobody likes it they do it anyway mm-hmm. um but it was interesting to see Hera show up on this in this episode um with a french accent that she doesn't have anywhere else so
1: yeah i you brought up the French accent a little bit before we recorded, right? And I did look up, because I think we fell to the idea... We pulled up the episode that uh, Champs and Duel was in, in Clone Wars, to compare. And it's def Like, there's a little bit of something there. But it's I don't think it's as pronounced as it is right now. And I looked up the voice actor for her dad. And oh. okay. Robin Atkins Downs, who is in a ton of stuff. He's in... He's in some of my favorite things, Mike. He is Travis Touchdown from No More Heroes. He is one of my favorite characters in Destiny. He's a... Um, oh. He's called the Spider. He's basically like if Jabba the Hutt was way cooler. And he had like some Tony Soprano <laughs> vibe to him. And he's just this large gangster who has this big pole in like the Wild West location in Destiny. Like he's so cool. Um, That's it. Yeah, he's been in a bunch of stuff. And he voices his father so i was like oh wow i did not know that that's very cool
0: yeah i mean like I'm, I'm fine with like i'm fine with the whole like french accent thing it was just a little weird um i i, I didn't expect that and we 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 <laughs> we like looked it up and like you said there was like a little bit of an accent going on in the clone wars but it's like heavily pronounced in the bad yeah. batch and um and it's just it's just weird like mm-hmm. i I don't know and Hera like in in rebels doesn't have a french accent
1: yeah so. and and i mean we, we've we seen characters lose accents all the time right like just as they yeah yeah get situated in a new place like uh scarlet witch in marvel like she lost her sokovian accent sure. uh across a couple movies right like um i'm sure florence pugh's character is gonna lose the russian accent in a couple marvel releases right like i think that's mm-hmm. safe um isn't there there's another character in star wars i think that lost a british accent with like the prequels and see uh originals or something like that I, i'm blanking but i'm pretty oh, sure it's someone not
0: familiar. yeah i'm sure i mean like yeah it, like that it happens in real life but it's just um it, it kind of took me back i was like i i didn't really uh, i didn't remember that but hey uh if that's the direction that they want to go with it it's fine um it kind of makes sense
1: yeah Uh, it makes sense like the the stuff with ryloth i feel like you could probably draw comparisons to like the french revolution so i get
0: it but yeah like french freedom fighters and like world war ii or something like that i get it i get it but like it's like i I don't know It, it, it was just like it took me back for a second it's not that big of a deal i'm not like pissed off about it <laughs> but like it just uh it was interesting to know i think
1: yeah Mike, um, that's but how... yeah i
0: think overall this is like a very... what
1: i was gonna say that's how the world felt when bill burr showed up and he had a boston accent
0: yeah exactly i mean i think we should have more boston accents in the star wars universe what sure. do you think christian you agree with me yeah
1: get um uh yeah yeah, yeah. get someone in there get, get one of the boston boys in
0: there Yeah, Mark and Mark. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, overall, I thought this was a really interesting episode. It was cool to have like a little bit of a, uh, you know, like a vignette of what's happening on a certain uh, planet within the the galaxy during the rise of the Empire. Great to see Harrison Dula sort of showing up uh, as a child, um, getting some more background into her character and how she grew up. Um, and yeah, I'm just excited to see where the next five episodes of this go. Um, I don't even know, like, there's nothing, I don't even really know what's happening. I'm just kind of watching at this point. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't seem like there's like a main through line at all. Um, so we'll see, but I'm excited. Me too. Well, Christian, uh, if there's anything else you want to say about the Bad Batch, I think this is now the time to do it, but um i'm I'm good. I, I think I've said all I had to say about that episode,
1: yeah, i uh, I'm prepared for the season finale to not be major uh, i I think that's an expectation yeah. we should all have for the next few episodes. like maybe we introduce a crosshair arc for some confrontation in the last like two or three episodes, but I'm not banking on it. I think mm-hmm. the major thing for this season will probably be about Omega, and I I think it'll probably just be just be that for the final few i think we're the next few episodes are going to be in line with what we've seen so far so nothing
0: nothing huge but yeah definitely um well i'm excited either way yeah uh christian you want to take us out to see?
1: sure thing mike uh where can everybody find you first off
0: uh you can follow me on twitter at mike p connor's very nice. You can follow me
1: on Twitter, Twitch, and TikTok at Chun2D2 and here on YouTube.com slash joyclicks for the video version of Jedi knights every single week. Alongside all the other shows in their individual playlists, you can check out Excelsior, GamesCast, Long Play Club, um, and the others up on the channel. If you want the audio version of this podcast, you can check it out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, your service of choice, just look up Jedi Knights with no K. Uh, you will find it there, or look up Joyclicks. You will find the Jedi Nice podcast feed. And if you enjoy the show, rating and reviewing takes a quick second and helps us out a ton. Helps us reach more people. Keep on growing, which we appreciate very much. And if you want to support us even further, patreoncom joyclicks at the one and five dollar tiers. Five dollar tier will give you producer credit on this show and every show we do, like Chris saka's Aaron Easton, and Charles Applin. So thank you very much. And That is going to do it for episode 89 of Jedi Knights. We'll be back next week with uh, some more Star Wars news, conversations, and another Bad Batch episode. But until then, we're fine. Everything's fine. How are you?
0: May the Force be with you. Oh, yes, 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 you're right. Beep is
1: up.